Hello and welcome. You are listening to Resiliency, a podcast that takes an inside look at enhancing the vitality and resilience of field workers. From experts in member care to frontline field workers, our guests will bring you their experience, their lessons learned, and always something practical you can take away and use to increase your resiliency in cross-cultural life and ministry. Co-hosts Silas West and Steve Finley are just one part of an ever-growing and strengthening net of member care in the Antioch movement. They want to see Matthew 24, 14 happen and do everything they can to help field workers have the kind of resilience that enables them to make it for the long haul. Well, listeners, welcome to Resiliency, and John and Aaron, thank you for being here today. But a lot of our listeners don't, and so I want to ask you to start us off by telling us a little bit of your story and how you ended up living in the Big Chicken. Yeah, well, we uh, both came to Waco and Baylor and went to college and fell in love with Jesus, but uh, really it was my freshman year in 1997 that the... uh, Father got a hold of my heart for the nations as well as uh, spoke the nation that we've lived in the last 11 years. Between uh, graduating college and getting married and getting out of debt and just being faithful, uh, we worked in college ministry and in business uh, and teaching uh, for the 2000s before we and a a team of friends actually moved to East Asia in 2009. And so we've been there, and us and our four kids have been there since 2009, and we've experienced a lot of God's grace and the years waiting to go, and there's been a lot of uh, amazing opportunities uh, to find God in the midst of challenge uh, since then, too. I think as a kid, I I had a heart for God, and... He spoke to me when I was um, in high school. I was reading a book about um, the area of Tibet. And um, at that time, there weren't roads going to some of the places in Tibet. And just my heart was, I will go anywhere you want me to go, God. If there are people who aren't going here and they can't get there, I'll go there. And so my heart was like, even for in uh, middle and high school, I want to go where nobody else can go. And it's been the continual theme of really being open-handed about, I don't care where I live or what I'm doing. Um, I want to be about loving the people that you put in front of me, especially if nobody else will go there. So that was my journey. And as I got involved in Antioch in college ministry, it was just a, almost like a very simple path to get overseas. One of the interesting things was we felt both called to this nation, but also called to go with uh, friends. And so uh, we actually waited for friends to finish up their uh, certifications for being a doctor or being an architect. And so uh, we actually just faithfully served in in Waco in business and in, in uh, ministry while we waited for them to be ready to go. So what, what kept you guys on the field during some of the most trying times and maybe even what were some of those instead of just calling it quits and going home? Because that's a long time to live in a country like the one we're talking about. Yeah, we prepared with these friends, um, two different couples, for almost 10 years to go to what we call our country Big Chicken. And uh, we would get together and pray and seek the Lord together. And we went through the training school together. And then the first year that we were on the field, one of our teammates, um, one of John's best friends, and um, he had a crisis of faith and 
um, walked away from God and walked away from his family, and their family ended up having to come off the field. And the ensuing results were catastrophic for our team and for our family and for them. If you go to the end, they've been restored and we've been restored with them, so it's amazing. But one of the things that kept me on the field in that situation where we had different lawsuits, um, threats, and different um, places of being accused with finances and Joan's business got shut down, their first business, and just a friendship and a betrayal. It's like, oh my goodness, how can we stay here? But I had to meet with Jesus in such a way where I stood before him blameless. And with all the accusations from people and from the enemy, I wanted to just call it quits and go home, like you were saying. But I had to encounter Jesus in such a way that I felt like, I am right before you, and no one else's accusations or the enemy's accusations can do anything um, against that truth. And so for me, I would say it was one of the most beautiful times with, of my life with Jesus because I had to encounter him because the pain was so deep. And typically I've learned I'm an avoider of pain and of conflict, but there was no avoiding this. It was like in our face every day for months affecting every part of our life and so unless we dealt with it well we were going to be a mess and we I felt like um, we have got great counseling from Waco and even people came out and were on the ground with us and then all kinds of calls but my own encounters with Jesus the person of Jesus looking at him in the face him speaking to my heart and changing the stuff that was going on really did something that I would never give up even if I had to go through that again because I was transformed. And that's been a huge part, I think, of my own resiliency, not just to stay on the field, but any hard situation that life throws at us. Yeah, it's like we already shared, like there was years and years of dreaming that went into um, launching to the field in 09. And then literally six months in, the dream of doing... Um, serving God together in Asia, you know, just crumbled. The dream of a uh, really significant for-profit healthcare business, that dream just crumbled. The desire to, I mean, we did, at the moment, we didn't even know with our healthcare business crumbling because of this other person's choices, if we were even going to be able to stay on the field. And so, I mean, we'd sold everything, we'd moved over there and everything was kind of in the balance. And, uh, that season was such a gift because just like we've been in this season, in the COVID season, it was a season for us personally and for me personally where the illusion of control was just taken away. And I find that there's lots of opportunities for that illusion of control to be taken away in our lives. And every time it's a gift because it reminds me that I am not the end And actually my ministry and calling and even dreams are not the purpose and the goal ultimately. And uh, so one thing that I I got breakthrough in was letting go of control in that season. But also what I started doing was just gambling on the goodness of God. What I mean by that is like no matter what happens, it could be bad or it could be difficult. But the one thing that is solid that I do know that I know that I know is that God is going to be good to me today, and He's going to be good to me tomorrow, no matter what circumstances might bring. 
And so I remember a phrase from Graham Cook that has been significant for years now, but he says, uh, um, there's no good or bad days for you. There's only days of grace. Some days the grace of God is available to enjoy what is happening. Other days the grace of God is available to endure what is happening. Mm-hmm. But either day it's going to be a day of grace. Wow. And so beginning to just learn how to really stake my my today and my tomorrows on his goodness versus outcomes or even dreams that we felt like he birthed has been really significant over the last 10 years. And a lot of it was came out of the out of the seedbed of that season of deep pain. Mm. So powerful, John and Aaron. When we were going through the CP school together 12 and a half years ago, your faith wasn't as refined as it is now. I'm not saying anything about your faith then. I'm talking about what it is now because you had this grace to go through all these trials. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we we consider it a gift and so COVID and even in the two years previous to COVID, uh, the big chicken had been re-upping on uh, persecution for uh, both local believers as well as foreign workers like ourselves. And so in light of that, it was once again, things are happening to us that are beyond our control. COVID, things are happening to us that are beyond our control. And it's good reminders every time that, oh, have I started moving? I mean, we all lean back towards trying to manage and manipulate life into a certain box. And uh, every time that rug gets a little bit uh, pulled out from underneath us, it's a fresh opportunity to come back to the simplicity of the goodness of God is my greatest reality and he is my home no matter what else happens. In that time of persecution as well, we could sense the fear in the atmosphere, even with fellow workers and with the locals. And we were like, okay, how do we respond? And what we chose to do is be completely other than than that feeling of, okay, I have to protect myself and I have to make sure I'm okay. And we ended up saying to our team, our goal is not to not get kicked out. We want to walk in boldness and enjoy and in freedom the opposite spirit of this thing that's happening with the persecution and the control of the government. And what our team did was we did an evangelism push instead of let's you know protect ourselves. And we just rejoiced every day. We felt like, why not have this be our greatest hour, our us as workers and for this nation? And we're here now, so what can we do now that we couldn't at any other time while we're here under persecution? It was such a time of joy. It was such a time of freedom for our team personally and then for the other locals that we were all involved with. It, it infiltrated their ranks as well. And the people that we were walking with, we, we saw this, oh, we don't have to live under that same spirit that was persecuting the whole nation. And it was like this bubble of freedom in the midst of slavery and it was beautiful and it changed us and we know it's changing things there even now that we're not there so you guys have alluded to team you just mentioned now our team and then you mentioned you know early on in 2009 you had teammates who left you've seen a lot of teammates mm-hmm. leave over the years you know what's uh what's been hard about that for you guys um both the benefit and the challenge of that is that 
we see team and we see the relationships both with locals and with people that God brings into our uh, our orbit. Um, some of these are just one-year folks. Some of them are there for a few years. You know, some of them where we hope to be lifers. But um, is we just try to do family. And so when you do family together, you go you go deep. And the nature of as everyone listening who's lived overseas, you know, living overseas, you go really really deep with people and there's a lot of shared life. And so as people come and go, it, it is challenging, but there's never been a regret of like, we want to even once again, protect ourselves from the feeling or the pain of, of loss and saying goodbye to someone that we've just lived life together in the trenches. And so one phrase we've said for a lot of years is we want to make our hellos big and our goodbyes small. Hmm. And, um, it's not that we are ever saying goodbye to anyone who's in the kingdom, but um, it is true. It's it's hard for our kids. It's hard for us when relationships come and go, but there's always grace to live in the present with God and be family with whoever he's put in our path during that season. How have you pastored your kids when it's hard? Oh, mom and dad, there's more to have to go. You know, what do you just, what have you done? How have they been trained by you on that? Or held. <laughs> yeah, I think there are a couple of them, especially who are more needing to process. A couple of them, they will journal and have some conversations, but then they f- seem like they're good. But um, two other of them, they really need to process deeply their own pain and the, their feelings, their um, their desires of how they wish things were different, and. Our tendencies are like, let's just natural tendencies. Let's just get this over with and then move on. But we've had to learn before the Lord for ourselves and with them, let's stay here until they feel like they've been heard, until they feel like they've been able to really articulate what's going on in their hearts. And so we've had to take the time to do that. We do big family sessions and then the one-on-one times whenever it comes up, like, okay, you need to deal with this right now, I'll stop this and I'll give you my full attention because I know this is so important for your heart now and then for the rest of your life and not trying to protect yourself against pain because you haven't learned how to process it well and have closure, but continue to carry the relationships along with you um, as you move forward. So what else we do? Yeah, we just try to be honest with Mm -hmm. the realities of it versus do like Aaron and I are both doers by nature and less of a feelers than actually two of our kids and so uh you know actually acknowledging it and like she said stopping and just being honest with yeah let's not just move on quite yet like this person was significant in your life for the last and for in our lives for the last however long we will miss being with them these aspects you know even specifically when we used to do this together and go to this place or had them in our home under this context like you know those those are significant things and and uh we try to give a path forward on and there might be opportunity to see them again hmm. in 18 months when yeah. we're back in america or you know whatever to it not to feel like a total loss but that's what we've done and it's not been perfect but it seems like our kids have actually better skills than we did for sure as young adults and they're you know not close to young adults yet so mm-hmm. to handle those things well without kind of outing anybody <laughs> what are some of the things that that you've seen that continually have caused people 
Because from your perspective, you've seen a lot of people come and go, but you haven't, which is why you're actually on the podcast today. Um, <laughs> I didn't make it. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't make the cut. Um, we love you if you're listening. Yeah. Go stay a long time. You'll get to be on. <laughs> well, yeah, actually. Um, but what, what have you seen have been causes and reasons for people leaving, maybe in, especially in terms of preventable? Yeah. I mean, there, there's obviously so many reasons for people to come and go off the field over the years that it's hard to address one or two things. But I would say a theme that I would say probably especially among the younger generation, but our generation is um, probably equally as, as guilty of, is there is an idea of the mission and the call being ultimate, like for my own self-actualization, and uh, there's this sense of, like, I owe something to God, so I need to go prove to God and myself. So oftentimes it's more our, prove to ourselves versus God even, but prove to myself I'm a good enough Christian. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't ever believe most of the people I've noticed this in, that was their, prime, their, their only thing and their only reason to be there. But I have found it to be common enough that when it, when, ministry or the call or me doing something significant for God has any sort of significant influence in my motivation for doing what I'm doing, then I'm setting myself up for when, as most of us who have been on the field know that, like, you go on the field and your dreams fall apart your first year. (laughs) And then you build some new dreams with God and make some new plans, and then those fall apart. Mm. And, like, this rhythm, if it's just about your call only, even the nation only, or your own ministry, then ultimately circumstances can have a much heavier weight influence on whether you're on the field or not. But what we're finding more and more every year is that if it really is just Jesus, um, like, Jesus is the reason if he's there, then we want to be there. If he's moving on with us somewhere else, then we're not even bound to that call if he's moving us on somewhere else. Sometimes I think Jesus actually might move on from a place and we're still sticking around because, you know, we've elevated this call above present tense relationship with God. And so it's both and. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the, the the primacy of intimacy with Jesus. So as an example of about three years ago, four years ago, um, God was really highlighting and emphasizing this in my life. And uh, I did what all bad team leaders do, which is throw away your uh, uh, mission statement. We threw away our team vision statement. Like, I know I needed it as a leader, but I also felt like our group and our team, we just needed a reset on Jesus. And so I came up with a two-word vision and mission statement which we would say every meeting, every prayer meeting, everything that we did together. And it's, what's your goal today? Enjoy Jesus. The end. Like, that was our vision our vision and mission statement. That was, if we were focused on abiding and we were focused on the glory of God and just being with Him, then the Bible says that that's actually the way to be fruitful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it moved, it helped move our team and helped move my heart out of striving towards some arbitrary calling or goal that God was a part of, but to really helping center us on daily, like actually abiding with Jesus is the central place 
of everything and fruitfulness is just a symptom of abiding. Hmm. Yeah, and I would say maybe to put it in a feminine way, that same idea is I think um, a tendency to leave the field early might be that people have still yet to find where home really is. And after my first year, I, I came back and I said, I found my home is the presence of God. But I would say nine years plus years later now, I know it a hundred times more than I knew it then. And I, that was the first time I put it into words. My home is the presence of God because we had been all over and experienced team crash. And I was like, where, where do I need to be? Where can I be okay? And um, from then till now, it's been this continual process of, I don't care where I am in the world. I don't care what I'm even doing. If I can be at home in the presence of God at any given minute, I am what God has said to me, the luckiest girl in the world. And I'm full of peace and full of joy, no matter what's going on um, in craziness or peace in the circumstances around me. And so what I found is, when I feel tempted to, I just need to get back to somewhere that's comfortable for me and safe for me and reliable for me. I'm like, wait, I, it's because there's that lack of that going on in the inside because I've, I've forgotten that my home is the presence of God. But within minutes, I can be like, oh yeah, it doesn't matter because I'm at home anywhere I am. Mm-hmm. And so it makes me so free to go to the right or to the left or stay right where I am so content in his presence and so like John was saying it doesn't it's not dependent on whether I what I'm um, doing or even the people I'm with it's the very presence of God that I would rather be with him in the middle of craziness than anywhere else how did you evolve to become the resilient people that you are you are not the same people that left in 09 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of things I could say here one of the funny things that Aaron and I started doing probably halfway through our last 10 years was we heard someone talk about how seriousness is not a fruit of the spirit. (laughs) And uh, what most foreign workers take on is a whole lot of seriousness, which kills a lot of joy. And so Aaron and I both being task oriented, uh, we started holding each other accountable to not take ourselves too seriously. And so we literally... um, be trying to get kids out the door and be mm. checking one another on drill sergeant mode. Yeah. <laughs> or we would be at the table and someone is kind of going down the all the things that are going on and happening. It's like, you're not being serious now, are you? Yeah. And we'd laugh about it and it would help actually reset us to like, okay, the whole world being saved is not on our shoulders. Mm. Like right. actually Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. So that means Jesus is a church planner, not me he just lets me participate in what he's doing but i'm not like the necessary component or the earth's going to fall apart and this weight of heaviness like out of isaiah 61 that we take on is really serious among workers and uh actually ironically in a funny way but just reminding ourselves that we're not the center jesus is that it's a privilege to get to serve him in any way anywhere in the world Mm -hmm. and like those type of mindsets and those type of just even helping one another has actually helped us process the disappointments. It's helped us process the, um, the pain when even national partners who we 
have invested in deeply have turned on us and accused us of all sorts of things that have been were not true and were painful and created difficult situations. But in that um, little phrase of let's not take ourselves too seriously, there's a lot there of like, okay, Jesus is the center, not me. Mm-hmm. And like it helps us to process things in a way that actually leads us to a place of peace and grace with him and then empowers us to actually address our problems and our situations with godly wisdom versus effort and striving. Mm. Yeah, I would say one of the main things that has helped me evolve to be a more resilient person is learning how to embrace pain instead of avoid it or protect myself from it. One of the practical ways that I've done this and just had more time to address pain is um, about several years into our time of being overseas, we got serious about making space for Sabbath. And before that, we were kind of practice it as we could, but it wasn't a priority. It wasn't a lifestyle. A lifestyle. And so we... John takes every Saturday, he takes the kids, and I know I get out of the house. One of the last things he says to me before I leave is, don't take yourself too seriously. And I leave the house, and it's this time of, okay, anything you want to say, God, I'm I'm with you. I'm fully open. You have permission to go anywhere as to the depths of me. And it's been so good for me to look at pain in the face, to look at hardship, to go to that place intentionally, knowing God can take better care of me than I can take care of myself. And the self-protection is actually killing me and keeping me from dealing with the stuff that is going to affect me for the rest of my, negatively affect me for the rest of my life. So looking at the things that are have been hard in the past, are hard right now, going there intentionally with him, and then receiving comfort, receiving healing, receiving the freedom that actually causes me to be fully alive even in the midst of pain. And that causes me not to protect myself going into the next possibility of pain, where actually I look ahead, and sometimes when I'm in my real, really right mind, I can look at the problem in front of me, and I can get really excited, because I'm like, wow, what is God going to do in the midst of this that he couldn't do at any other time? This is another Graham Cook kind of mindset thing that we've practiced over the years with very everyday lifestyle things, and some bigger things too, where we get excited about the things that are hard, because we know there's grace, power, healing, freedom, something beautiful in it that we would never give up if we knew the end result. So I think that just a mindset around pain, my, that change mindset has made me more resilient over the years. Yeah, Graham, uh, Graham spoke to us a lot of years ago through a podcast we listened to that uh, every problem comes attached with it from God, a provision and a promise and so, like, it's impossible for us to face a problem that God doesn't already have a promise for and have the provision to, uh, to, to deal with it and partner with it. And so, like, as an example, in um, 2015 it was, uh, we had, a, uh, had our landlord give me a phone call. I was out one day and tell us that we needed to get out of our house by the end of the month, even though we still had, like, two and a half years on our contract. And it was a very, very busy season. It was There was not margin um, for looking for a house and moving. But uh, as I got off the phone with him, once again, we're, we had been practicing, like, okay, there's problems. God already has things ahead. So I took a deep breath, and I called Aaron. I said, hey, sweetie, how's it going? 
guess what? I just got off the phone with our landlord, and you won't believe it. He told us that God has prepared a better place for us to live, (laughs) and we get to start looking immediately. Aren't you excited? And she went, yeah! And there was something about making that choice by faith at the beginning of, like that problem journey that set our hearts to a place of we were expecting God's goodness. We were not going to live underneath our problems and circumstances, but we were going to leave heaven to earth and get God's perspective on a situation and then filter down from there. And so that type of lifestyle of getting God's perspective and then living from that to, um, to our circumstances versus letting our circumstances crush us has been vital in us, not just surviving, but actually overcoming and rejoicing over the last number of years. Amen. Wow. So the older you would like to tell the younger you right now what? It's going to be harder and it's going to take longer than you think. There you go. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) I'm so glad we asked you all to be on Resiliency. Man, this is like we're in the we're in the mine, and we just boom, we just hit the mother load. <laughs> We've mined the gold. Well, so it's been awesome great to y'all. be with you guys, and yeah, love. Uh, we we're listeners as well. We are yeah. totally listeners. Well, if um, if everyone forgets the things that you said, and then there's just like, wait a minute, I wasn't paying attention. What what was all that about? What would be the one the one big takeaway? Not that anyone's going to forget, but um, God is actually good, and you can expect Him to be good. Amen. Mm. We We can hang our hats on that one and ask you to pray a prayer of blessing and impartation on everybody listening today. Be a great way to end. Yeah. So God, we bless every person listening, not to simply know in their intellect that you are good, to actually daily gamble on your goodness. God, I release an impartation of grace that for us as uh, even overseas ministers of your gospel, that there's no longer good days or bad days. There's just days of grace. And your grace is available for all that we're going to face today, all we're going to face this season. And so we trust you with our todays and we trust you with our tomorrows, knowing that you'll be good. And I ask that, Lord, for every one of us, including Aaron and I, again, that, Lord, we would move out of the driver's seat, our callings, our um, dreams, our uh, um, skills and gift sets would actually move out of the, out of the front seat, move back into, not in the back seat, throw, put us all the way in the trunk. <laughs> and Jesus, won't you take the wheel and won't you make this about you and your glory and we are so thankful that we're on the journey together with you and that you've included us. So I bless every one of us with your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We love you guys. Love Thanks. you guys. Well, listeners, thanks again for tuning in. That does it for this episode of Resiliency. You can follow us on Instagram at Resiliency Podcast. And so for now, I'm Silas West, and thank you for listening to Resiliency. Resiliency.